God these three possible voices. Number one, they say, is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number two, they say, is the voice of your own thoughts, you know, of your mind. And then number three, they say, the other voice that you Christians can hear is the voice of the devil. Now, Jesus says, the voice of the stranger, you do not know. And so, if you don't know the voice of the devil, you may know the voice of a condemning mind, an unrenewed mind, but you don't know the voice of a devil. So I thought that would be good news. I thought somewhere maybe at the beginning of the service I can get a good woo. Amen. So you don't know the voice of the devil. It's, it's strange to you. Isn't that right? So he, he says, my sheep know my voice. And so we looked at it last week. Is the primary way in which God speaks, the primary way, it's the primary way, is that he speaks by his word. Amen. And listen, if it's in the Bible, you don't even need it to be prophesied to you. If it's in the Bible, you don't need to fast about it. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need an inner witness about it. If it's clear in the Bible, just do what the Word says. You will be obeying His voice. Is that okay? Number one, you don't need anything more than that. But thank God that He does speak more than that. He communicates to us on so many levels because He wants us to know His voice. Because in knowing His voice, there's protection. Because the sheep that don't know his voice can be taken advantage of, can be plundered, can be whatever. But not only that, is that Jesus doesn't want to lead you through an intermediary. He wants a direct relationship with you. He wants a one-on-one with you. So number one, he speaks to you by his word. And so in John chapter 3, verse 33, it says, The one who has the words of God has the spirit without measure. So Paul tells us in Colossians 2 or 3, I think it's 2, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you admonish one another. And so if the depth of the word is inside you, now it doesn't mean to say you need to know the whole Bible. It means that what you know, know well. You might only know John 3.16, but let that word find a place in you. Let it dwell richly in you. Let it embed itself in your heart. Let that word encompass you. You know, be filled with that word. If you know three verses, be filled with those three verses. And so when the word of Christ dwells in you richly, you can speak out of that word. But not only that, God can reach into your heart and pull that word up and speak to you out of that word. He can remind you of verses. So number one, he speaks to you by his word. Number two, um, by the spirit in the word. Jesus said in John chapter six, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. So be full of the word. Somebody asked me a question last week, and they said, because I said, the more of the word you have, the more of the spirit you'll have. So they asked me to clarify, so I clarified it. There are people who study the Bible as a literary work, but that word hasn't found a place in their lives. They can quote more scriptures than what you can quote. No spirit with it. But the more that word has found a place in your heart, because his words are spirit in life, the greater the dimension of the spirit in you. And so we need to know the word. And I'm stressing it again because you don't need to wait for a prophet to come. You can read the word. You can study the word. 
You don't have to fast and pray. God, speak to me. You can read the Word. Because many things will be covered by verses, specific verses, as well as principles in the Bible. You will get your answers in the Bible. Is that okay? So I can't stress this enough. Have I stressed it enough? No. So let's stress it some more. But then there's also a body of wisdom in the Word. There's a body of wisdom. And you're only going to find it as you fill yourself with the Word. So there's a whole body of wisdom. The Bible has got a lot to say about your finances. The Bible has got a lot to say about relationships. The Bible has got a lot to say about how you handle people who are difficult. It says, lay hands on them suddenly. Apply the fivefold ministry. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say that at all. It says, bless those who persecute you. It says, do good to them that hate you. It says, love your enemies. That is wisdom. Now, you don't have to pray about it. You just go to the Word, and out of the richness of the Word comes this body of wisdom. It's a word of wisdom. And I said it last week. If you act in the wisdom of God, you are acting in the voice of God. You have then heard His voice. So there's much that we can get from the Word. But if I say it like this, um, it's the Spirit in the Word. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, it's the Spirit in the Word. Because the pure letter kills, but the Spirit gives it life. We need this Word with the Spirit in order to obey the voice of God. And so we've got it already. We've got the Spirit, the Spirit in the Word, the Spirit, let's call it the Spirit Word, the Word, the whole Word, nothing but the Word. But there is something else as well. So I want this church to be a well-taught church. I really push it. I really work hard at teaching the Word because it's the Word that will sustain you. It's the Word that will guide you. We need to have a knowledge of the Word. All right, now, the other week, Aneska came to me last week and said, her daughter, Mish, said, how does Pastor John know so much of the Bible? And uh, she said, I don't know. Ask him. So I didn't want to tell her because I've been reading it for nearly 100 years. Because that wouldn't be the truth. It's like 39 years. Something like that. And I started when I was two. No. So when Mish asked me, I said, well, how old are you? She said 10. And I said, well, when I was your age, 10, I'd already read through the Bible 10 times. So I said, so I grew up with it. I said, but not only that, is I memorize verses. I get verses of the Bible and I learn. And I study the Bible and I memorize verses. I try to write verses down. Every Sunday I'm trying to, in the week, I'm trying to memorize verses so I can just quote verses to you. And then I said, well, how about this? I want you to go home and you're going to learn a verse in the Bible. And then you're going to come and tell me. So... Unbeknown to me is that um, she was staying over at friends, but she made sure I got this. Pastor John, uh, I won't be at church this week. I'm going to sleep over by one of my friends. So before I go, I just want to tell you the verse that I learned out of the Bible. I chose the book, Matthew 21, verse 22. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Thank you, Pastor John, for watching. Isn't that awesome? Whatever things ask for in prayer, believing you've received them. 
Now, that's how you put the word in yourself, put the word in yourself. It's amazing when you need a word from God, how God reaches in and pulls up a word, pulls out that scripture. Amen. There were family of ours that were wanting to leave the country, and it was at a stage where things were not really good in Zimbabwe, and they were in a bit of a panic, and they were, you know, planning to emigrate, and things were really tough at that time, and um, they were stressing about it and things, and then all of a sudden, and this man was very much entrenched in the Word, and all of a sudden, one of the Psalms 55, a verse in Psalm 55 came up. You shall go forth with joy. You'll be led out in peace. And the mountains and the hills will break before you. And the trees of the field will clap, will clap their hands. And a great peace came over them because of a word from the word. Is that good? So I don't want to take too much time with that. But there's other means and ways that God speaks to us directly by the Spirit. Because it's all the Spirit. It's all whatever. I'm going to write down Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. So let's look at that verse, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. The book of Habakkuk was a national crisis. I mean, things were really, really bad. A wicked nation, and Israel had been wicked, but a more wicked nation was coming to attack them with the threat of complete destruction. And Habakkuk, as a prophet, as one who needed to speak to the nation, needed to hear from God. Now, Hebrews 12 tells us, I think it's verse 25, it says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. God is a speaking God. He's a communicator. Matthew 4 verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that is proceeding, that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So God speaks, God communicates. And we need to learn as the sheep, what does that voice sound like? How does he speak to us in order to be able to hear him? So listen to what Habakkuk says. He says, I will stand at my watch and I will station myself on the ramparts. Now next week, you will hear more about being still, about quietening yourself. You need to learn how to still yourself on the inside. Because I don't know if you've ever listened to the conversations going on in your heart and mind. It's very busy inside there. Isn't that right? I mean, there's a lot of things going. There's many trains of thoughts, you know, that's going. I mean, it's like, you know. And I mean, how many of you know that very often it's like the duck on the water? You know, everybody else is looking at your face and they're saying, but on the inside, under the water. And there's a lot of communication that's happening internally. There's a mix of emotions. And these are all clamoring for your attention. They demand to be heard. But that's not the voice of the devil. That's your voice. That's maybe the voice of ENCA or CNN or, you know, feeding into, you know, anxieties and worries and all of this kind of thing. There's a lot of emotional stuff mixed in with that conversation. But in order to hear the voice of God successfully, you have to quieten a lot of that stuff. Otherwise, you can hear from that. And it's not the devil. That's your stuff. So it's learning how to be still. 
And this is what the prophet Habakkuk knew and understand. All the prophets, all the seers, all the men and women of God knew and understood that there has to be a quietening. There has to be a stilling on the inside. So Jesus said this, you know, go into your closet and pray. You know, so your closet is that quiet place. It's that private place where you withdraw internally. It can be some, a place physically, but it also needs to be a place spiritually. So not just a geographical place, you know, the study in your house or, or whatever. But it needs to be a place within where you can retreat and go in and quieten yourself and hear God. It's amazing. You know, you get called to hospital beds. And it's incredible what emotions happen as you walk towards the bed, what fears arise, what voices come to you. And in order to pray and to hear God, you've got to learn how to quieten all of that. Because otherwise you'll be hearing from fear. You'll be hearing from anxiety. You'll be hearing from many different things. You'll be sensing things. But you've got to learn how to quiet that retreat and go inside and still yourself before was that okay? Good. So now, Habakkuk knew, I will go and put myself in my place on the ramparts, and I will, he said, look to see what he will say to me. Now, I've brought this up before, but you're going to hear stuff today that you've not heard before from me anyway. Habakkuk understood that the way God speaks is not only audible, but it's visual. And very often it's more the visual than the audible, the, the sort of the audio side of things. And he says, I will look to see. I'm looking. He didn't say, I will listen to hear. He said, I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. So Habakkuk knew that God very much spoke pictorially. Um, and that's why very much in the Old Testament, for a period of time, they were called seers. There's a seer in the country. In other words, one who can see the movements of God. You see the voice of God. Is that okay? So he said, I will look to see what he will say to me. So now the seeing thing is really interesting because God has given us faculties. God has given us a mind and a brain. God has given us the ability to visualize, to imagine. It's incredible. Your imagination is a God-given thing. If you're imagining the worst, it's an abuse of a faculty God gave you. If you are fearful, it's an abuse of a faculty that God gave you. God gave you the imagination, the ability to visualize so that you can see the future, and you can see ahead, and you can see what plans that he has for you. It's not to see wickedness. It's not to see disaster. It's not to see destruction, you know, which is what happens often when the bank phones you and says you're overdrawn, or SARS phones you and tells you you owe so much, or this happens, or the next thing happens, and then suddenly comes a flood of feelings, a flood of emotions, a flood of things that come, and immediately the imagination kicks in, and isn't it incredible how then we see the worst instead of seeing the best? If in not seeing what God sees, it's an abuse of the imagination. Amen? Somebody said it. Anxiety and worry is an abuse of a God-given imagination. So he gives us that faculty and we can see. And so every one of our five physical senses has got a matching 
partner of spiritual sense. So your physical eyes, that you look around this room and you can see color and detail and people, you've got spiritual eyes. Paul says, I pray that you know, God would I mean, enlighten the eyes of your understanding. You know, your understanding has got eyes. I just remember so many times when the maths teacher was explaining you know, a formula or geometry or something like it when I was at school and would go to the board and would start to write. And suddenly when I got understanding, a light came on and, and was like, oh, I see. I can see how that happens. And so your understanding becomes enlightened and you can see. But literally you've got eyes of your understanding. So in other words, if I asked you right now to close your eyes and to picture this front part of the church that you're looking at, you would be able to close your eyes, and with that faculty that God's given you, you'd be able to capture this picture up at the front, yeah. more or less, you know, accurately, and you'll be able to hold that vision for a period of time. It's that capability, it's that faculty that God breathes on by His Spirit when He starts to show you pictures and give you what's often referred to as an inner vision. It's just a flash mental picture. And that's one of the ways that he speaks. It's just this picture. Is that okay? So two weeks ago, there was a brother standing over there, and I just felt this prophetic word for him. And I walked up to him, and as I started prophesying, the Bible on the seat next to him, it was as if it opened. And as I'm looking at it, I'm seeing this picture in my mind, in my imagination, but it's very quick. The Bible opens, and on the clean pages of the Bible, I see there's a prophecy written out there, and it's got a date on it. And I said to him when I'm prophesying to him that you've written, there's a prophecy you've written in the clean pages right in front of your Bible. I said, yes. And I said, and you put the date. And he said, yes. And I could see the date. But it was just this flash picture that came into my mind. Now, it's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And this is what Habakkuk was saying. I'm going to go and stand on my watch, and I'm going to look to see what he will say to me. What picture comes? What mental picture? Now, if you're not stilling your heart and quietening your heart, you'll get me pictures of your anxieties, pictures of your concerns, pictures of the problem. But we want the picture of His voice, picture that He's speaking. And, you know, many, 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 many examples of that. Just a flash, flash mental picture just comes. And you can grab that picture with your mind because it flights across the screen very quickly. And you can grab that picture and hold it and say, Lord, what is this? What are you saying to me? And um, very often, that's how I prophesy. I will see a person that is just highlighted to me, and I'll say, that person over there, I don't know anything about them. I don't know, you know, it's a step of faith. And I'll just say, that person there, and then sometimes I will sense to say things like with that brother prophesying about him. And then suddenly this picture comes. And I've got to reach by faith and grab that picture and hold it because as easily as it comes, so easily it can go. And I've got to grab that picture and hold it and just say, Lord, what does this mean? And then the Lord just begins to explain it. Or sometimes there's an immediate understanding concerning it. So many examples, many, many examples. I'm just trying to think of one. I was preaching in this church, and um, I was just walking down the rows like this, just ministering and prophesying and praying for people. And I got to this one row, and I looked right at the end, and it was in a 
Catholic church. And I looked at this lady right on the end, and I said to her, there's a woman in ministry that you look up to, and you aspire to be like her. And I said, it's Joyce Meyer. And God says, he's going to give you your own pulpit one day. And he's going to give you a platform. And I started prophesying, and she was like so excited. And I was about to go past, and I saw a 16-year-old young man. And I said, and your son, is he 16? She said, yes. And I said, the Lord is going to turn him around and call him back because he's a call of God on his life. And I said, your son is coming back. And uh, when I, and I just, I saw a young man, and I just had a sense and knew that he was 16 years old. And uh, the place went ballistic. I didn't know, but this lady was Joyce Meyer's European office head lady sitting there. And I said, there's a lady that you aspire to, and it's Joyce Meyer, but God's going to give you your own platform. She ran Joyce Meyer Ministries Europe, and her 16-year-old son had gone away from the Lord and was deep into drugs. And because of that prophetic word, it rose and gave her faith. I mean, she wept and just wept before God. Because not only did God speak about her future, but her son's future as well. That was a concern to her. How did I see that? I saw a flash mental picture of her standing by a pulpit and preaching. And in a moment, I saw Joyce Meyer. Is that okay? Flash pictures. Is everybody okay? Is that enough? Have I said enough? You guys are so well-versed in this already, you know. Are you good? So flash mental pictures. You know, ministering once in in a place. And I I saw this lady, and I, I knew... She was of an age where she could not have a brand new baby. But every time I walked over that way, I just, in my mind, I would just see this picture. And they were standing there very serenely, just looking at me, her and her husband. But I just kept seeing her holding this little baby. I couldn't understand this thing about her holding a little baby. And I I didn't want to start prophesying and saying, God's going to give you another baby. And they're going, oh, please, no, Jesus. You know. Our oldest one is 20. It's like, we don't want to start again, you know. And besides, the factory shut down. You know, we closed up the shop a long time ago. So I just kept saying, so I just kept resisting prophesying that. And, but at the same time, every time I walked up, it was like, like a pool of electricity. And I kept saying, it's like a pool of Bethesda there. It's, wow, this is amazing. Then eventually... I walked up and I said, as a couple, I said to them, I see a baby. And as I said it, she burst into tears and started weeping, sobbing. And she said, yes. She said, we lost our first child, our our son. When he was a baby, he died. But when I walked up to her, they were also enveloped in this force field of power. And they just... As I was prophesying, they both were weeping, and they just both fell down under the power of God. And she came up with this most beautiful testimony afterwards. She said, the Lord took me into a pool. It was a pool of Bethesda. And I was standing in the pool, and the other side, Jesus was standing there. And he walked up to me in the pool, and he said, give me Because when she was laying on the floor, she was sobbing and groaning and weeping. She said, give me the baby. And she said, and I put my little baby 
into the hands of Jesus. And she said, and healing has come to me for the pain of that loss. Just flash mental pictures. Hearing the voice of God, we need to hear for ourselves and we need to hear for others. Yes, it's quiet in here, right? It's precious. Precious. So is this just for special people? I'm very special. But so are you. This is for the children of God. Amen. This is for your own healing, for your own leading, for him to speak to you. And so one of the ways he speaks to you is in pictures, flash pictures that you need to be able to get a hold of. But one of the ways of seeing, um, let's call it inner visions, like I've just explained, vision, and then the other one, let's call it open vision, inner or closed, an open vision. And I've had several of these. An open vision is where he gives you a vision that with your eyes are closed or open, you can see it. It's almost like a trance. It's where the Holy Spirit so overcomes your faculties that you're in a trance-like state. And with eyes open, you're completely in another realm. You're in that realm of the Holy Spirit where you're looking at the panorama of what is going on, eyes open and closed. This was very many of the prophets' way of seeing things. John saw this, the book of Revelations, turning behind me, there was a voice and I looked and I saw you know, because he said, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. He was so caught into the Spirit that he saw this thing happening. Yeah. Now, that happens some of the times. You know, there's a lot of people that write on Facebook, and it irritates me a little bit, you know. You know, I was caught up again in my room this morning. I was caught up again, and I had this vision. You know, no, I don't think you were caught up. I think you were praying, and you had one of these. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're caught up every day, yeah. these people. Every day they're caught up. I mean, I don't even think Jesus was caught up every single day. <laughs> never mind, never mind. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, don't, let's not get all tense, you know, and all that kind of thing. But, you know, what they do is they give an apparent spirituality to it. That's what they're doing. You know, I've had powerful open visions, powerful, you know, and where for days this picture would be in front of me. It didn't matter whether I was sleeping or awake. It was superimposed. Like now, I would be seeing your faces, but I could see this vision here. It would just stay with me for days, and I could see what God was saying and showing and where he was taking me. But it's not the primary way. The primary way is that way that I've just spoken. And so open vision, it's where kind of like what Peter had when he was in the trance-like state. And, and many of the other um, Bible characters had these open visions where they could see what God was saying. Now this we learn, this, this comes from investment, this comes from taking time to get into the presence of God. These things happen the more I invest myself in prayer, the more it happens. And then another way of seeing is in dreams. It's still a way of seeing. There's a verse, I think it's in Job, but a dream is a vision of the night. And a vision is a dream of the day, if I can put it that way. Dream is a vision of the night. And so Joseph, Mary's husband, 
angels would come to him in his dreams and speak to him. So he would dream it. Not all of your dreams are God speaking. You know, it's what somebody once said. Sometimes it's pizza from your supper before. You know, sometimes it's too much steak. And then you start dreaming about snakes and ladders, you know, because you have a protein overload or something like this. But learning how to submit your psyche to the Lord and discerning what is God and what isn't God. But at critical times in my life, I'm not a dreamer. I'm more wired this other way. I mean, I, I'm asking the Lord, I'm saying, Lord, give me more dreams. Give me more dreams, you know. But I'm of the vision. You know, the young men see vision. And the old men dream dreams, you know. So that's where I am. I'm in the vision part. Of <laughs> yeah. So I said, don't give it to me when I'm old because I'm not old yet. But dreams, dreams is the language of God. And at critical times in, in my life, critical times in the family, critical times for my children, I've had these dreams where when I wake up, I know God has spoken to me. And sometimes it's taken me 24 hours of prayer to get the interpretation. I don't go and look at dream books because that's someone else's dream language. You can find them helpful, but it's somebody else's dream language. Is that okay? Why don't you take time to pray over it and say, God, will you give me the interpretation to this dream? And, you know, uh, Daniel was able to interpret the king, Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. Joseph was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. There's an interpretation to dreams, but let God give you the interpretation to your dream. So there have been times when people have had dreams concerning the church. I remember one time a lady had a dream concerning the church, and when she told me, I knew it was God speaking. And when she said it, I had a sense that I need to get understanding on this, and, and there's something that I have got to put into place in the church. So I locked myself in here, 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock that afternoon, when everybody had left, and I stayed the entire night until the next morning. And five o'clock the next morning, the Lord gave me the interpretation. I prayed the whole night. I said, God, I've got to understand this. You're the interpreter of dreams. What is this? Tell me. And five o'clock the next morning, I was praying about another situation as well. And also around that time, the Lord gave me the interpretation. It's the beef I have with the Lord. Because he could have told me seven o'clock that night. <clears throat> I could have gone home and had supper and gone to bed. But the thing is, how much time are you willing to invest in hearing the voice of God for yourself? Dreams. Dreams. So it's another way that he speaks. There's another way that he speaks in the seeing part. So we're talking about the seeing and it might seem very unspiritual, but I can tell you now it's not. Circumstances. Sometimes we need to learn to see God and to hear God in our circumstances. I.e., is the door open? Is the door closed? If there's an open door set of circumstances, it could be that God is leading me in that way. If there's a closed door, it's the wisdom to discern whether do I keep pushing the door until it opens or is it God closing the door and having the sense and the grace to say, okay, this is not opening for me. Seeing God 
in your circumstances. Is everybody following me? Sometimes, and listen church, you know, try a door. And you have to listen to the voice of the Spirit because sometimes the enemy will try to block. And then you need the wisdom to negotiate, the wisdom to get through the door. You need the grace to be able to kick the door open and go through. But God is such a gentleman, sometimes he shuts the door, but he won't forcefully keep it closed. If you are determined for that door to open, he'll let you open. And you will go through to your, to your own set of circumstances. Balaam is a good example in the Bible where God closed the door and the donkey had more spiritual vision than the prophet and he crowded against the wall when he saw the angel and the angel had a sword in his hand and he was going to take Balaam's head off. And uh, thank God for the donkeys in your life. Thank you, Jesus, for every donkey that crushes your foot and says, don't go that way. Yeah, amen. Thank God for the donkeys. Amen. And so eventually he's beating the donkey. And then the donkey speaks to him. You know, so listen, your circumstances is the donkey. Don't keep forcing and forcing and forcing an issue if it seems closed. Just back off and have the grace and the patience to wait and to pray until God takes you another way. Is that okay? Paul had it when he wanted to go into, um, I think it was at Bithynia in the book of Acts. But it just says, the Spirit forbade me from going. The Spirit prevented me. Well, how did the Spirit prevent him? Well, there's two ways. Number one, we'll talk about the other one just now. Number one is a closed door of opportunity. It just, the opportunity just does not open. It could be God's way of protecting you from something and saying, not now, because later Paul did go there. But don't go there now. It's not the right time. So have the wisdom, have the patience, trust God enough that if you're seeing in circumstances a closed door, back off and wait on God. This is very good advice. Amen. So we can see God in circumstances. Now there's another way of seeing and hearing His voice. I'm going to call it association. Association is quite an amazing thing. So it kind of happened years ago. I'm standing up and we're just praying, you know, like we did this morning, take hands, shout, and then the Holy Spirit says to me, there's someone here, something very valuable has been stolen, and in my flash in my mind, I see a wedding ring. And I do that whole thing about the wedding ring, and it's restored, and then a couple of months ago, I'm standing here, and then the Lord, just this, this flow of thoughts in my mind, which we'll come to now, I just, the Lord, like, I just, it's like the Lord is saying to me, this reminds me of that day. I'm going, today reminds me of that day, the wedding ring day. You know, because I'm seeing this couple in the wedding ring, and it's, yeah. And I'm like, wow, it reminds me of that day. And I go, yeah, this is really awesome, you know. And that's when I call out the ring, and Jeanne, um just says, yeah, you know, she lost her wedding ring, and, and God restored the wedding ring. Now, that was an association word of knowledge. So God spoke to me by association. So he associated that day to that present day, the same thing happening. And so sometimes by association. So, for example, you could be praying about a thing, and uh, the Lord might just bring to mind friends of yours. So, okay, let me give you an example. I'm called up, and I'm put on the spot down in Port Alfred, and they say, pray for this couple. They're going to get married. And immediately, I sense there's a financial burden on them, and basically what they did was they had 
plans for their wedding up here, and it was going down, 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 according to the realistic budget, you know? Uh, budget is an attempt to live below your yearnings. <laughs> my yearnings are right up here. This is where my earnings are. And I just found from the Lord to tell them, don't compromise on the dress. Don't compromise on the venue. Don't compromise. God is going to provide. And they just start crying. And then I put my hands on them, and I look at her, and I think immediately, I'm thinking of my daughter, Amy. So I said, who's Amy? She goes, I can't believe it. Amy is the girl that I'm going to ask me, my bridesmaid. We're going from the service to Amy's house, and we're going to ask her, will you be my bridesmaid? How did I get that name? I immediately just saw my daughter, Amy. Then I turned to him, and I said to him, who's Daniel? Why did I say that? Because instantly I saw my son, Daniel. So I said, who's Daniel? Oh, my goodness, me, Daniel, whoa, you know. And it just unlocked. It was association. The Lord showed me two of my own kids. Association. So it's one of the ways of seeing he just associates something. He can associate a set of circumstances. He can associate a story. He can associate a principle. Listen, he can even associate a smell. There's a, a certain prophet, you know, one of them is Graham Cook, and there's another guy. Um, and um, he was just saying that one day he went up to this lady to pray for her, and then he just smelt her perfume. And when he smelt it, it reminded him, it smelt exactly like his friend's. Now, this is a lady, and it reminded him of his friend, a guy's perfume that he wears. Now, whether it really was that, or in the spirit he was just smelling his friend's perfume, he immediately knew that by association, the Holy Spirit was saying something. And he said to her something like this, is your name Joe? And she said, yes, which was exactly the name of his friend. So how did he get the name? Because he smelled the same perfume. And he was going, this is Joe's perfume. Oh, is your name Joe? Yes. How did he get it? Association. One day, I went to Prophet Quervis, and there was, we had a Jezebel in this church. Mm, by association, let me see. No, I'm teasing. There's no other, there's no Jezebels here. But I took a group of people from the church, and she was one of them. And um, I went to um, chat to Prophet Quervis, and, and then one by one, I was introducing the folks from this church, and I introduced this lady. And afterwards, he called me aside, and he said, that's a Jezebel. And he said, and she is going to try and destroy your church. Watch out. I'm telling you, watch out. So anyway, he was right. He told me the exact words she was going to say. The exact words. And after that conversation, she said those exact words. So I said to him, just as a point of interest, how did you get that? Because, I mean, I knew she was already. I said, how did you get that? He said, by association. He said, years ago when we were still in the tent, I remember a young minister came and he brought this lady, introduced her, and he said, she's in the church, she's coming to help, she's very prophetic, and all this kind of thing. He said, a couple of years later, that man didn't have a ministry left, and it was that woman, Jezebel's word. And he said, and when she walked up to you and you introduced me, he said, I immediately saw that picture. Years ago, in the tent, that young pastor with that lady. 
That's our new association. So God can associate things with you in your situation, in your home, in your business, in your place of work. When you're driving somewhere, God can associate. Flash pictures, association. And part of association is another thing that Christians get very scared of. A thing called deja vu. And Christians are so scared of the occult and stuff like this, we shouldn't be scared of it. You've got much more authority than that. But we're so scared of being misled. You shouldn't be because we have the spirit of truth in us. But, but anyway, there's a feeling of deja vu. I've been here before. I've been in the set of circumstances before. I've been having this conversation before. What is it? Listen, sometimes it's the Holy Spirit's way of trying to draw your attention to something. To show you something. In that moment, that sense of deja vu is like, start to attune your spiritual senses and, and start to, to look into what is happening to see if there's something that the Lord is just trying to highlight you. Because he's just captured that moment and he's associated it to a time and a place in the past. And it's like, wow, I've been, I've been here before. We're like, this happened to me so many times. Louie and I have spoken about this so many times. It's just like, hey, this is deja vu. It's like, I've been here before. Listen, you weren't astral traveling. <laughs> and you weren't there in a previous lifetime and in a previous body because we don't believe in reincarnation. But there's just a thing in the spirit that God just puts you in a moment. And it's like, I recognize this. So begin to just ask the Lord, what about this place, this conversation? These people, the situation, what is there that you're trying to show me? Because he's trying to show you. He's trying to communicate with you. Does that help? You haven't been there in a previous life, believe me. You may have been there in the spirit. That I concur. Okay, should I carry on? But there is a hearing. Over here, I will see what he will say to me. So he communicates to you visually. Have you ever heard the saying, a picture paints a thousand words? Is that right? And so in a moment you'll see a picture and it tells a whole story. And so God very much speaks visually. 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 Now, early this morning when I was praying, I saw this picture. I saw a picture of a woman. And this woman was wearing a jacket type of top and it was a dark sort of royal blue, like what you're wearing. And I kept seeing it. I kept seeing that exact, like, ladies, royal blue, navy blue top on. So I said to the Lord, okay, if this lady is in the church, oh, it's a pity you're not a lady, huh? Same color. Uh. <laughs> but I, I just kept seeing that, and the Lord spoke to me about the investment that you've made. So it's almost like a double up. It's almost like there's an investment or investments that were made monetary-wise that God will bless and, and, you know, but that will take care of itself. But there's also an investment into prayer. There's an investment into your relationship with Him that is going to bring in a reward and a harvest for you. 
and the details of it. And I don't know, maybe I should just, should I just go for broke? So, um, so the Lord just showed me that there's coming, um, there's coming a harvest on both. And it's almost like both will produce, in, produce greater than what's anticipated. And I feel like the Lord is telling you not to be anxious, not to worry. Um, he's got you in his hands. If he knows about the investment and he knows about the investment in prayer that you've had, because God has become a real person to you. He's not someone just remote. He's become real to you. And um, it's in, out of that relationship that the Lord is going to take you on into, into the blessings ahead. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, how did I see it? I just saw that smart type of top. I saw a lady, and I saw the color when I was praying this morning. So I was praying. I just said, Lord, just show me something for the service this morning, and I just saw that. Wow. Awesome. So picture paints a thousand words. But there is a hearing. Sometimes God speaks with an audible voice, out loud. When he speaks like that, you know you're in trouble because <laughs> you haven't been listening to his other voice, which is very often quiet and still. No, I'm teasing. But I've heard God's audible voice. I heard it and it was audible to me. I heard it here. It was coming from here, here. And I heard him say, will you take this revival to every country that I send you? Audible, out loud. It was so loud that I actually asked everybody around me, did you hear it? And they all said, wow, we just heard something that sounded like thunder. Now I'm teasing. <laughs> That's what happened with the disciples. But Jesus heard, you know, Jesus heard. But it was clear. It was audible. It was loud. I didn't hear it on the inside. I heard it on the outside. Audible, loud voice that I was convinced that everybody in the building had heard it too. God spoke audibly. But the majority of ways that he speaks, he speaks in that inner still small voice. 1 Kings 17, I believe it is. Is it 18? That inner voice. And we'll talk about that inner voice. It's that inner voice, the same faculty that he uses whereby you can create a picture with your mind, capture a picture with your mind, that same faculty that is the voice of your own thoughts, it's that which God uses to speak to you. That's the still small voice. So if I was to say to you, Sennhauser microphone, and I told you to close your eyes and in your own mind, quietly inside, not spoken out, to say Sennhauser microphone, you would not hear my voice. You would hear the sound of your own thoughts your own inner voice. It wouldn't be my voice. It would be your voice. It's that voice that God uses to speak to you. That very voice. And it comes as a flow of thoughts. It comes as your own thoughts. Sometimes you can be thinking down a particular track and, and thinking in a direction and following a train of thoughts and suddenly almost it seems as across those thoughts cuts another train of thoughts. It's the same voice, 
you know, your own internal voice that you've been thinking through, and then suddenly it cuts across, and suddenly you're hearing these other thoughts. But just like vision, it just comes and it's gone. But you have to be able to, by the Spirit, just grab that sentence or sentences or word and hold on to it and say, what is this? Where did these thoughts come from? It comes in exactly the same way as a spontaneous good idea comes. Exactly the same way. You know, when you're pondering over a problem and thinking it through and your mental process are going and you're weighing pros and cons and all this kind of thing and I don't understand and then suddenly you have that light bulb moment. I've got a good idea. That voice of God comes in the same way. Just a light into your mind. Amen? Yeah. It cuts across your normal thinking. Now there's certain things that we need to apply to that. But can I finish the big picture before we go on today? Yeah. And maybe what we'll do is next week or week after next, next week we're going to do about being still. But maybe the week after I can just talk about that voice. That voice. Because that's the majority of the way that he speaks. The still, small, inner voice. The voice of God. Learning how to recognize that voice. What qualities does that voice carry? How do I capture that voice? How do I recognize that voice? Because that's the voice of the shepherd. So there's a hearing. It's the inner. It's the audible. It's being able to hear his voice. It's a particular sound in a particular tone. Sometimes it comes and it's worth noting this. Sometimes it's the Lord speaking and it's your own flow of thoughts inspired by Him. Sometimes you're thinking in a particular direction and you, you're thinking a situation through and it's actually a thought process inspired by God and it sounds like your own thought processes. And you suddenly realize, why am I processing this? And why am I thinking this? And why am I going in this direction? So when we come to recognizing the voice, I'll tell you how to know whether it is or isn't the Lord. So sometimes it just comes. I'm, I'm thinking it. But because we are so one, he's thinking. It's actually he's speaking and he's thinking. Because my mind is his mind and his mind is my mind. And so my thoughts can be his thoughts but they're just higher. I've had it many times. I'm just remembering a story now. <laughs> and it just came so funny. I was getting ready for church just before church, and, and it was in the days where I at least used to wear a long shirt with a tie. Um, in the days where I really tried to look like a pastor. I, I think I did. Uh, but I would never wear the jacket. I would wear the suit pants. And I'd wear the white shirt or whatever, and I'd wear a tie. And I remember I was standing and looking at the mirror in the end of the passage to make sure I got my tie right. And I looked in, and because I often talk to myself in the mirror, you know? Yeah. We need to. We need to be able to look at ourselves, speak to ourselves. And I was looking at myself in the mirror. I put my tie, and I said, you know, you're really good looking. Yeah, thank you, John. I really appreciate that. I was, I was, I was having this conversation with myself. You know, thank you for telling me. I really appreciate that. But it's true, I know. And I was having a laugh to myself, you know? I was just laughing to myself. And then all of a sudden, I just heard the sentence. Tell Nikki that that guy at work that asked her out for coffee is a sexual predator, and he wants to destroy her. And I was like, what? 
I'm having this conversation with myself. <laughs> telling myself how good looking and smart I am. And then suddenly, listen, God used the fact that I went into an internal conversation with myself. And I put myself in a space where he could speak to me. And suddenly, this whole sentence came. And there was a young girl that had just joined the church. And her name was Nikki. So I asked at the beginning of the service, meet me after church. Sat down. I said, how's it going at work? She said, not going well. And I said, did a young man at work this week ask you to go out for a cup of coffee? She said, yes, this week. Asked me if we could go. And I said, what did you say? She said, yes. I said, we'll go out you know, next week in the new week. I said, God told me to tell you not to go out with him because he's a sexual predator and he wants to destroy you. The eyes went big. What? And she put it off and it came out later. It was exactly true because of other things that he did in the workplace. Just heard it. like. So I'm driving one day thinking about our network pastors. They're on my heart, and I'm just praying. And I'm praying for George and Eileen, just praying for them, just driving, praying, oh, Lord, bless George. And then I'm thinking, you know, he's fixing up cars and motorbikes and selling them for a profit, and, you know, to fund the ministry and that kind of thing. And while I'm just thinking about it, I'm picturing him, the Lord says, there's a man standing with him to buy a bucky from him now. You phone him now and tell him not to sell the bucky to you because he wants to rip him off with that bucky. So I immediately get on the phone. I said, hey, George. I said, hey, Pastor John, how are you? Prophet John. Hey, Prophet John, how are you? So I said, good, thanks, man. I said, listen, um, do you have a bucky there with you, and you that you're wanting to sell? He said, yeah. It's, he said, there's a guy standing right here with me right now wanting to buy the bucky. So I said, don't sell it to him. He's going to rip you off. So he goes, okay, thanks, Pastor John. <laughs> so he just tells the guy, sorry, it's not for sale. <laughs> the guy was furious. He didn't sell it. He just said, no. Said, my prophet said, I mustn't sell it, so I'm not selling it. So I got the blame. Never mind. So just a spontaneous flow of thoughts. But it came just, it was almost like my own flow of thoughts. Just came in. Feelings. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Feelings. Often that's how the Lord leads me as well. Just get this feeling to go somewhere. Feeling to do something. Now, I want to just connect it with this. There was a lady in this church who, um, she was doing really well and went through a divorce and kind of lost the plot a little bit. So I was praying for her. She was very much in my heart. And, and you know, she'd been an integral part of the church. And my heart was really broken because she had just lost the plot. So now I'm just thinking, you know, I really wanted to try and speak to her and stuff like this. So, because the last I heard was that she was having an affair with a married guy at her work. And she had just been through a divorce. So, she was on my heart. So, the one day I get up, oh, I must go to East Rand Mall. And I, I need to go and do this. My own thoughts, right? Yes. So, I get in the car and I drive up to the mall and it's just gently raining. So, I drive up and um, I see, ah, oh, there's a parking. So I put the indicator on, and I start moving like this to go into the parking. My indicator's on, it's everything, the windscreen wipers, and it's just gently raining. So it's a lovely mall morning to be in Mug and Bean, whatever. And it was before Mug and Bean's days. So I'm, I'm already turning 
and this Talcom vehicle shoots past me vroom, vroom, and goes and parks right in. They can see my indicators on. I'm positioning myself. Goes in and parks. And though there was rain falling on the car and you couldn't clearly see the person inside, just by the profile and the laughter of the person sitting in the car, I recognize it's this lady. The one I'd been thinking about and praying. It's her and her lover from work where they're having an affair. Zoom, they get in. And as they do it, as they drive in, I say out loud, not only do they steal each other from their partners, now they steal my parking. <laughs> I say it, I promise you, I say it to myself before God. I said it out loud in the car. So I found another parking. I got out and, and walked towards the door. And yeah, they came walking, still giggling and laughing, thinking how funny it was as to my parking. When suddenly she sees me and goes, Pastor John. I said, did you tell the guy that you're with that he just stole my parking? And they looked at each other. Uh, uh, we really sorry you didn't see. Uh, no, no, I said, you did see me. I said, but it's fine. You can have the parking. And they went in. And a couple of months later, she was going for God again, and she then met someone who was very happily married. And um, we were just talking, and she said, remember that day at the East Rand Mall? I said, yes. She said, when we walked at the door and saw you, God spoke to me and said, not only did you steal his parking, <laughs> I said, really? Wow. Something that came as a flow of my own thoughts was the voice of God. Is that okay? Are you all learning something? So learn how to be in touch with God in you and to start recognizing His voice. So feelings, impressions, a sense of... Andrew Womack tells the story how he booked a flight to Costa Rica because he had been there before and he just wanted to go back and just go and visit and maybe get in touch with some of the pastors. And he'd booked months prior, but as the time came closer and closer, he just absolutely had no desire to go to Costa Rica anymore. Just that longing, that desire completely left him. Now, what would be the, the absence of a desire to go? He would he basically had no desire to go. There was nothing in him that wanted to go. So he just, he thought, ah, oh, I just, I just I feel like going. So he phoned the airlines, canceled the ticket. That flight crashed and 139 people died. Just lost the longing. So Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work within you to will and to do according to his good purpose. And sometimes when you're wanting to do a thing, it's the Lord speaking to you through feelings and impressions. There's sometimes when there's something you should do and you just feel, yeah, not laziness, not an excuse, not abdication of responsibility. But there's sometimes we just feel, nah, I don't want to do it. Sometimes it's good to obey that voice because it could be the Spirit of God just taking the desire away from you and just putting a check on that thing, but He's using the processes of your own feelings. A sense of um, and feelings, desires, longings. Um, sometimes it can be a completely negative feeling. You can have a sense of foreboding. You can have just whatever. Let's just call it a no desire, a no longing. So sometimes God can use that. By the way, 
sometimes God can use taste to speak to you. And he can use smell, where you literally smell something to speak to you. Maybe we can talk about those in two weeks' time. But just a negative no desire, where I just really, I just, I don't feel good about this. I don't feel led. I don't feel whatever. Very often, this is the way Jesus operated. Remember on a couple of occasions with the scribes and the Pharisees and even with his own disciples, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why reason ye in your minds? Sometimes you just have a sense of knowing. It's that human intuition that just receives the breath of the Spirit on it. And it's just, you know, a guy came to see me a little while ago, and from the day before, you know, he wanted to come and see me, and it was a whole day's meeting. And, and the day before already, I just said, Lord, why does he want to come and see me? And immediately, I just knew in my heart what he was coming to speak to me. I just knew the subject. So I was able to prepare myself ahead of the time. If we will take time to position ourselves and take time to ask, we will take time to build intimacy with the Lord. We will start to hear more accurately. Sometimes we are too lazy to invest, so we want to come to the pastor. Too lazy to build our own relationship with Jesus, so we will want a prophet to come. And those are all good things. But the primary way that he wants to speak to you is he wants a relationship with you to speak to you. So, very quickly, a couple of qualities of this voice, the inner voice. A few qualities concerning his voice. Number one, they are spontaneous. And I've already mentioned one. Two, so number two, they are like the voice of my own thoughts. Number three, God's voice is always light and gentle and easily cut off by any exertion of myself or voices or sermonizing in my own mind. His voice is easily cut off. He's such a gentleman that if you want to talk over him, he will stop talking. It's easy and it's light in the sense that if you think it's God and it's got condemnation and it's bashing you, you can ditch the whole conversation. It's not him. He always speaks, I believe, in the first person. He just speaks directly himself. He doesn't speak, you know, in the third person or whatever. He's speaking always in the first person. His voice always has unusual content, slightly higher wisdom than my own. Brings solutions, brings whatever. You will just see that it has a content where you'll recognize it's God's voice. And then lastly, very often when it's his voice, it does bring a reaction in me. It brings, there's a witness, there's a, an excitement, there's, there's just a sense that this is not my own thoughts. There's a reaction. Now, all of this, all of this, I don't care how good and accurate and close it is, if it goes against this, scrap it. So, whatever your circumstances, whatever your situation, I want you to pray, close your eyes, I want you to visualize it. If it's a person in the family that you're worried about, 
I want you to visualize a situation that you need a word for, that you need God to speak to you concerning. If it's your job, if it's a debt, if it's a healing situation, if it's your business, doesn't matter what, I want you to visualize. Put yourself somewhere in that situation. Put yourself in your office. Put yourself in the lounge talking to that person. I want you to create a scenario with that faculty that God's given you to paint a picture, to imagine, to visualize, to see. And I want you to sit there and to capture it. And I'm going to give you just 30 seconds to capture that picture. Some of you are there already. And then I want you to create a situation, make that canvas come alive. And I want you to imagine Jesus walks in to that room, to that office, to the workplace, to the relationship, up to you if it's an illness. So I want you to make that picture come alive. See Jesus walk up, walk up to your desk, walk into the lounge, walk to wherever you are. And then I want you to ask him, Lord, do you have something to say about my business, my job, my children? Do you have something to say? Do you have something to say about this situation? Then I want you to be quiet. And I want you to allow that picture then to come alive with Jesus in it, moving in it, and to speak. His voice is easy, it's gentle, it's light. It's not condemnatory, it's not preachy. It just comes as a flow of thoughts. Let the picture come alive. Sometimes what's helpful when it happens like that is to keep in that same space that you're in now, that same frame of mind, that same still place, and even to take a pen and paper and to write. Because it's amazing how when you write those, that flow of thoughts continues. It might be good just to write it down. You can go back and reference it. Now remember, any speaking that God does, you weigh it, you judge it, present it to the mature, the godly, submit it to the word you know he may just come over and I'm seeing this for someone and he may just walk over to you and put his hands on you and say it's okay I know just be at peace it's all going to be well and that's an answer he's spoken in other words life will go and work and it will happen it will work out some of you He'll give you a directive word, just a tweaking of something to do. So one of the ways that he sometimes speaks is, is through tongues and interpretation of tongues. Sometimes he does. Sometimes you can say, Lord, speak to me. And then you can start. And then the Lord might say, the years of your mourning are over. It's time now to move on and get out of the pain and the mistrust. Because me you can trust, says the Lord. I will never disappoint and I'll never let you down. So it's time to start believing and hoping and trusting again. In my mind today, says the Lord, is like when God said to Samuel, how long will you weep for Saul? It's time to move on. I've anointed another king. 
God's saying it's your time to move on, to let go of that which is past and to reach and reach out to that which is ahead because there's a whole life for you ahead. Because him you can trust. I want to thank you, Lord, that you so much want a relationship with us. That you wait for us to come into that intimate time and intimate place and to invest. And you know me, my name. You know my voice. Lord, I want to know yours. I want to have a greater hunger. I have a greater desire to hear your voice more accurately, more clearly than ever before.